Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Two Girls. And a few thoughts. You're getting there. You're totally getting there. Where am I going? Where am I? Where I feel am I like, getting? you know, you're coming through louder. Oh my God. We can hear the spunky, upbeatness in your voice. You know? Oh, I yeah. like it. I like it. What you got going on? Birthplace, earth, race, human, politics, freedom. Why That's your shirt. shirt. I don't know. I've, I've actually been reading it at different points today, but I didn't get to read it out loud. So I wanted to take this opportunity to read it out loud. Has anyone ever told you that you're a weirdo? <laughs> Just you. You know, ever so often when you um, can get to say it. You're strange. You don't believe this race human thing, though. Do you? you that might. we are the human race? Yes. It's not a matter of belief. It is a fact. No, what I mean is it's not like you're someone who doesn't identify according to a specific race. Certainly. You're not, you're not one of those we are just people, people. You're one of those I am black, you're white, you're such and such, you're such and such. So uh, I think... No. Yes! No, 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 no. You're lying. Let's, Why are you lying not, to the let's, internet? Let's not get carried away. You are 100... Right? I 100% believe that we are the human race. Are we all the human race? Yes, so that is a fact. So I believe in that fact. However, and maybe not even so much however. And? But and. <laughs> and I am also a black woman in this world. Mm -hmm. I could give two fucks whether somebody's white or whatever the fuck else other races y'all want to call them. I don't care. What I know is that I am a black woman and uh -huh. I am a part of the human race. Uh-huh. The other stuff has nothing to do with me. Uh-huh. What I feel like is that your shirt is a half scam. I just noticed that your religion says love. Why are you lying? You barely like people. My religion is love. I love love. But do you love people though? Do I have to love people <laughs> to have my religion be love? I mean, doesn't that go hand in hand? No, I can like just love people... grass. I can love but that air. would be weird. Also a bit strange. There are some no, people think in about the world it. that I love them. When you think about the people who are truly like spiritual, and I'm saying it, I know spiritual is, diff is very different to religious, but people who are true Christians who are like, I love everyone, uh -huh. I care for everyone, I this, I So that. I gotta love everyone to you be a true Christian? I regard myself as Christian, but what I don't it? love every motherfucker. For what? But you do realize that it's central to the belief. You don't come out of church too long. Yo, listen. That's a part of the belief. Uh -uh. You love I everyone. I had my communion. I went to church every Sunday. I am a Christian. But being a Christian doesn't mean that I need to be bamboozled by loving <laughs> all of the people in the world. All of the people in the world are not worthy of love. That is the reality. Wait, first of all, how much did you pay attention in communion? And Sorry, not communion. What did thing name? The what class? The confirmation class? Confirmation class. How much did you pay attention? Because certainly... I paid attention enough to be confirmed. Well, clearly you are a little rusty, sis, because the Bible does say that you should love everyone, forgive everyone, turn the cheek, turn the, the next cheek, turn the other cheek. But I'm just saying, though, you're not a true blue Christian, whatever Listen, they the Bible says a lot say. of things, and half of the Bible contradicts the other half of the Bible. Or you've just been reading it wrong, so they would say. Mm, maybe. I so they would, well, unless you read your Bible. You, you're not a Bible reader. I'm really not. So, <laughs> so how you know? 
That one contradicts to the next. Because this is what the people say. <laughs> oh, Lord. So this not even like first-hand information? This is what this, the people you, say. Where well, you read that? On the Twitter? Let me On ask. the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. There is somebody that has said or on that the, the Facebook, Bible is contradictory. Or on Reddit. But none of this matters. As long as you love God and you are right with God, then you're good to go. And your own personal relationship, for sure. That's it. Yeah, That's definitely. all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Fuck all that other shit. Yeah. And politics, your politics is uh, freedom. Yes, my politics is in fact freedom. Yeah. Because I we don't... We have a shirt. Amazon? Where? Where you got um, it? I think Fashion this Oman? is... Um, I don't know. I think I bought this at Walmart or something for like $3. You shop at Walmart? Yeah, Super Walmart. When Carrie lived in Walmart, we would do a good old Super Walmart run. Wow, it's you know? like, I don't even know you. I didn't know you shopped at Walmart. It's it changes crazy. the game. It's crazy. All of them are my people. That's what. You just here for wherever is going to get you the best deal. That's it. So. 100%. That's super good to know. Definitely good to That's know. That's how everyone shops. You go to the places that you get a really good deal and feel good while you shop there. That's it. Mm-mm. There are some people that shop based on cause and mission. Think about mm-hmm. how many places Nikki doesn't shop because they are not good to their employees mm-hmm. or they're not good to the environment. She's a very conscientious shopper. She's a special breed. She of cares person. about things. You I know? care about things too, but she definitely tries very intentionally to put her money into where she really believes that they are. And there are a lot of people like doing, Nikki. you know. I do love me well, some Nikki, but for me, that is way too much effort. If they got something that I want to buy, I, I buy it. So. And that's it. That's it. Simple. I can only own my actions and, you know, own who I am as a person. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are so many companies that we shop from and we may not actually know about their ethical best practices, how they treat the environment. Sure. Like, we don't have all the information about where they're at with social responsibility. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. it's a crapshoot. You can do all the research you want and be selective based on the information that you know, but there's a lot of companies that are doing crazy things or things that may not align with your beliefs, and you just got to go with it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. As you said that, the thing that I was here thinking about, not that it's necessarily exactly along the lines of what we're talking about, but FYI TV, Mm -hmm. you know, who are they? Lifetime, I think, or they're under like Lifetime's brands. No clue. Um, You should know because you're obsessed with them. Married at First Sight, all of the other stuff. Like that's, they were originally under FYI TV. That's actually the only reason I know what channel this is. I'm not obsessed with the channel. I'm obsessed with Married not? at First Sight. Don't you watch like all of their other stuff? I sure do not. You don't watch 90 Day Fiance? No. 90 Day Single? No. 90 Day The Other Thing? Why everything gotta happen in 90 days? <laughs> That'll pound, give you some questions. Thousand Pound Sister? No. no. That's TLC. I don't watch none of this mess. <laughs> anyway, when I where I was going with this is that I used to say to myself, man, FYI TV, anything that seems like a wild concept that should not exist as a reality show concept, they have it going on. Wait, that's what I initially that's what I initially thought of. I with that like some ten issues. years ago. 
with your statement because which by the way it sounds as if you're saying that married at first sight is one of the things that should not exist so no, 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 no. Married at first sight, I now understand the experiment, and I think it's fine. But initially, when they, when you first put me on to Married at First Sight, which would have been like, what, eight years ago? How long have they been on now? I have no idea. It was probably eight years ago. I was like, wait, what? You're going to just meet someone at the altar for the first time and we're going to get married, a.k.a. an arranged marriage? Yes. But they did it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and as someone who is deeply interested in the inner workings of people and psychology and all this other stuff, I was like, you know what? Okay. I can see why this is interesting, you know? You have, at the, at the point when you put me onto it, it was four different people, right? Like a spiritual advisor, a relationship expert, a, what did I just say? A spiritual advisor, a relationship expert. A, I think they had a sex a sexologist, ologist, mm-hmm. and then there was a fourth advisor. Was it like a? Well, now they're down to three. Like a who do they have? Sociologist, the sociologist. I think there was a sociologist that was the other piece that was missing. Yes. Okay, so now they're down to three advisors. Yeah. Okay. I mean, who? they've had some messiness. So right now they have a sexologist. They have, have the spiritual advisor and they have the sociologist. That makes sense. That covers all the bases. It covers all the bases. That's all the things that you actually need. Uh-huh. Um, but, as you know, I love Married at First Sight. I think it's such a really cool experiment of how you can match people. And uh-huh. when you think about the divorce rate in this country, and what is it, like 70, 80% of marriages that are failing? I don't really know the statistics on that. I think it's like a that. 50 or 60%. But it's so many folks that are um, choosing to divorce. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do need to take a clinical approach to matching people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. married at first sight, their success rate is at 60%. That's very good. That's what I think. That's uh, absolutely what I think. Okay. I think because they're using the data <clears throat> in order to connect the people and they're, tr- they're making every effort to mm-hmm. make sure that these folks are people that are going to be committed to the institution of marriage, mm-hmm, committed mm-hmm. to the process of marriage, because whether it's arranged or not, marriage is effort. Yeah. It's meant to be fun and all of those things, but it also requires an immense amount of effort to make things work. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. want people that are going to go into the process being open to that idea and open to the process and open enough to adjust themselves and who they are and their practices and beliefs in order to make it work. And I think that's one of the reasons Married at First Sight is so successful, which I don't know if you could call 61% super successful, but I think it's successful enough given the comparison to the divorce rate. Yeah. Do you also think that it's just one of the more successful matchmaking shows? Well, I'm not actually familiar with... uh, other matchmaking shows. I know that there is one, I think it's called Indian Matchmaking or something on Netflix. Oh, that was new. That's like, that came out, what, earlier this year? Yeah, I uh-huh. haven't really gotten into it. I, it's on, I, I think I added it to my list, but I haven't actually checked it out yet. Yeah. Um, but I had also, there was like an arranged marriage reality series um, also on, it might have been Netflix, mm. where like, it was a few years ago, one was a gypsy family in mm-hmm. Queens, um, some were like Southern Baptists, uh, there was like an Indian couple, 
um, and someone else. And it's it's nice to be able to see these different representations of marriage on TV because I think in our very Western sense, mm-hmm. like we think about the ideal situation being you go out, you find your own mate, and this is what you do, mm-hmm. whereas you have a entirely different set of practice folks who are leaning into the arrangement where traditional arranged marriages are families coming together making decisions about here are two people that we think would be a successful match mm-hmm. and we were talking about in a previous episode like you know some people do that and it, they think it's a lot of transparency it works really well um, because once you then are married it's like now you have to do the figuring it out. Yeah. Like, it's different than when you're dating and you get married or if you don't get married. Like, if you're just dating, you date, and you can always decide to not do it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that commitment up front, which I don't want to say force, but it encourages people, yes. uh, pushes people to figure out how to stay in it. Right. Because I think one of the things that Married at First Sight does, which is really cool, is that it flips the whole idea of commitment to the start of the relationship, right? So Mm -hmm. when we meet, we are actually committed, and that is what's going to happen. And it then becomes less easy to call it quits when we have a fight about who left the dishes in the sink. Yeah. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's much harder for you to walk away because it means that now you're identities are commingled your finances are potentially commingled mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm, so many things that mm-hmm. can happen when you decide listen I'm gonna actually go ahead and get a divorce so right. now you think a little bit harder about how important is the dishes in the sink to me like does it right. really matter in the grand right. scheme of things right I think it challenges your conflict resolution style in that a lot of times in relationships people are matched and they have very different conflict styles for sure and when you don't work through those things it's harder for you to make the marriage work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um so i think that's definitely challenging and i think part of the experiment is also helping you to grow as an individual and helping you to grow through conflict and grow through some of those tougher conversations yeah. Um, um yeah but needless to say i'm absolutely obsessed with married at first sight those are my people. I love the idea of the experiment. I love the outcomes of the experiment and it, just the whole notion of how love can grow. You know, so I think that's really, really amazing to see. So obviously you really love Married at First Sight. You love the experiment. It's so good. Clearly there've been many instances where it's gone very well. What about instances when it happened? I mean, I've kind of fallen off of like looking at the different seasons. So like my last reference point, remember that black couple? I forget her name. Um, short hair, curvy, and she was married to that. Like the guy's background was like military. Yes. Oh, gosh, what's her they name were again? From Harlem. They were from Harlem. She was from Harlem. I think he was from Jersey. Yes. That yes. was like the last like bad match or unsuccessful match that I've actually seen on Married at First Sight. Um, but, you know, obviously you watch it every season. Like, what are some sure. examples that you have? Well, I guess most recently, probably the marriage that went really bad. Like, literally, it was fucked up. Uh-huh. The, in the last season, there was a couple, Chris and Paige. 
Um, I think they were in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And Chris, it, he describes himself as this guy who's very successful. Mm-hmm. The women that he's dated most recently are women who he describes as like, wanting him for his money, wanting him for his sex, his success, whatever. So, anywho. Freud and slip. Anywho. So, he gets married to this girl, Paige. Uh-huh. And um, on the first night, they have sex. The next morning, he gets up and he's like, so, I'm not physically attracted to you. Why even say that, though? Like, how does this come up in a conversation? You because just, like, spit it out? Up. He is fucked up. So annoying. So she's like, I am lost because we had sex several times last night. Really? So how you get up in the morning and decide that you are not sexually attracted to me? You're not physically attracted to me? He says, you know, I was trying to create a connection. And so that's why he went multiple times, I guess. That's why he went multiple this times. Is such fucking bullshit. Bullshit. Like, okay, dude. Like, okay. what are we doing here? Yeah. But then that's not even the worst of it. Mm-hmm. She then decides to give him another opportunity to, you know, to connect. Because obviously the notion is that love can grow. Like, right. things are not going to be perfect from the onset. But you can build a relationship, build a connection, etc. So she gives him a chance. They go on their honeymoon, whatever. While they're on this honeymoon, this motherfucker says... I just found out that my ex-girlfriend is pregnant. Yep. I mean, this is a lot. I mean, the experiment is only like, what, a month? And I'm already having to deal with the fact that you are not sexually, you're not physically attracted to me. You say this the day after we get married. And then now, how long after is the honeymoon? Like, how many days? It's like two days. Two days. So two days later, the ex-girlfriend is pregnant. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? So... It, it's hard for her, right? but I think what happens is that you go through the interview process of getting ready for this experiment, and you're so bought into the process, and you're so committed to the idea of being married and allowing yourself to find love, mm-hmm. that you're kind of willing to put up with some of the bullshit, right? Because now you're already married, so psychologically you're bought in. Like, this is mm-hmm. not just another dating scenario. Yep. You are married, and if you are someone that's coming into the experiment where marriage is for life, regardless of how fast it happened or not, you're all in. Yeah. So, needless to say, he absolutely puts this woman through the ringer. He takes advantage of the fact that she's willing to give him multiple chances, and he talks about this woman being pregnant, then he has the nerve to bring this woman to introduce him to his new wife. And then at some point during the season, he brought this girl a car. I think it was a Benz because he decided that the mother of his child shouldn't be on the bus. She shouldn't be taken, which I'm like, kudos to you, but you got a whole fucking wife. You should say, hey, wife. <laughs> right. Let's talk about the fact that I don't want my baby mother, you know, walking around, getting yeah. on the bus, whatever. Like, yeah, let's talk yeah, about yeah. it. He, like, throws it in her face, like, a couple of days later and expects for her to take it like, yeah, okay, that's normal. So they get into fights, multiple fights throughout the season. Um, They ended up not staying together because Uh she was essentially trampled on throughout the entire season. This sounds excruciating to watch. I think that's probably the worst match that I've seen over the years on Married at First Sight. Uh But I think it's an extreme case because I think what happened is that he was completely disingenuous in the interview process. He would have to be. And he was just an overall asshole. Yeah. 
there have been instances where like it doesn't work out because maybe the personalities don't match or right. like people aren't as open to the process of growing love as they would have presented themselves to be mm-hmm. or they were confused about what they actually want in a relationship so they right. communicated the wrong thing which I think was the case in the couple yes. that you were mentioning. Oh my gosh. I, I, her name, I wish I could remember. Shout out to her. She's super fly. Yeah, she's super fly. I um, followed her for a while. Yeah, me too. I know. That's yeah. like, like, she used to follow, what is it? Oh God. Like, no, Lavish Alice. Lavish she was Alice. actually one of the first people that um, I saw wearing a lot of Lavish Alice. Yeah. Oh my God. I cannot fine. remember her name. But I think she was unclear with what she wanted. Yes. And I think that's what caused the, the marriage to not work out. But, mm-hmm. Um, like I said, sixty percent of the marriages do work out. I think they have a pretty Actually good track pretty good. record. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to think about, you know, putting commitment at the first step of a relationship. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. almost like force you into working through the hard stuff and working through the crazy things. Right. But to your point, what happens when it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. Uh, married at first sight doesn't really delve into the divorces, which I think would be really interesting. You yeah. Know, lifetime, take this on. This is an idea. <laughs> I think it would be cool to think about right. following the divorces because for Chris and Paige, for example, I don't think they're allowed to do an annulment. But if he's out here talking about, oh, I have all this money and people have dated me for my money, whatever, mm-hmm. and Paige goes, all right, so you fucked up in this marriage and I can't get the marriage annulled based on fraud, mm-hmm. but I got to divorce you. But could I say, let me get some alimony after that? So what, like, I'm curious as to, so you think she would have earned her alimony? Yeah, because, like, maybe I can't sue you for the pain and distress of, okay. of what you caused, uh-huh. but alimony would help me out, help me to feel a little less stressed, a little less embarrassed. Certainly, I'm sure. Like, I, I guess there are things in life that there's a dollar value that could be attached to them, right? Certainly. Mental peace, et cetera, et cetera. There yeah. is a dollar amount that will reasonably satisfy Absolutely. what someone has been through. Certainly. Do you think that that is wrapped up in the idea of alimony? At some point, at some level? I think we all have a little bit of a petty betty in us, right? A petty betty! <laughs> I love this. I've never heard you say this. I know. I you just made it up? Made that up but, yeah. <laughs> you know, things kind of just come to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I think we all have a little bit of a petty betty in us. And okay. when you enter our marriage, you think it's forever on both sides. And a lot right. of times, truth be told, and my brothers are going to be super annoyed that I'm saying this because they're very like man versus woman, whatever bullshit. But like men fuck up all the time. Sure. And I sometimes gotta let my petty betty out and be like, listen, you fucked up, so you owe me a million dollars. That's it. Wait. Yep. I mean, also, women fuck up as well. Certainly, but our fuck up is not worth a million dollars. Our fuck up is what? like, get over that shit. I mean, I, I cannot agree with you. I, I feel like I can't agree. Can you, you, you say more? To. I don't actually think I want to. You want to. Right? No, I don't. When women fuck up, it's like levels below the shit that men do. We fuck up because maybe we slipped and we fell on a dick. Men are like... Slipped and fell on the dick. I planned this shit. <laughs> I was flirting with this 
and then I got multiple of these girls, and I keep falling in these vaginas <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> Women don't do shit like that. So. Wow. Yes. I mean, I do also think that oftentimes women talk about how strategic when it comes to cheating and stuff like that women can be so it's interesting hearing it because it sounds like for you the scenario is kind of flipped yeah men are fucked up and they owe us a million dollars for the pain of every suffering. every single time every single time well you know alimony is such an interesting conversation because obviously there was a time before when it was always on the breadwinner who traditionally has always been the men the man, sorry, to repay those false whomever. Um, and I think that there are many instances where someone is deserving and their contributions have earned them their alimony. Mm -hmm. Where I struggle is now we're getting this divorce. I want to be able to move on with my life. You want to be able to move on with your life. How much am I going to have to continue to support your old life which you no longer have right like we're getting divorced you're gonna be done with this life that you previously had and of course you want to make sure that people are reasonably set up so that they can have another successful pathway whatever that may be but how long should that last and the reason why I'm framing it in this particular way because as you and I have been talking about offline is this whole Dr. Dre and his ex-wife, or soon-to-be ex-wife situation. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I guess, a bit startled when I initially read a part of the summary of their settlement. And it, it says that Dr. Dre is expected to pay the sum of $293,306, which adds up to, let's just run it up, about $3.5 and some change in yearly support starting in August. Mm -hmm. Per the document, the payments will continue in a like manner until the party receiving support remarries or enters into a new domestic partnership, death of either party, or until further order of the court. I said, what? Payment until I remarry, get a new domestic partnership, or either one of us dies or it's the court? I mean, what is the incentive then? Like, am I ever going to then remarry? Well, first of all, she ain't getting remarried, right? Because it wouldn't make sense if I'm getting $3 million a year. <laughs> Unless I happen upon some other schmuck that can get me more than $3 million. <laughs> Did she just say another schmuck? Some other schmuck. But, here's my position on this, right? Uh-huh. I think that the alimony should exist for however long it takes for me to... Recoup your losses? For me to recoup my losses, get to the point where I'm able to establish the lifestyle that I grew accustomed to based on the relationship and marriage that I had. Because the thing that you got to consider is that if I'm married to a superstar yeah. and we make arrangements or agreements within that marriage uh -huh. that preclude me from creating a career for myself, creating a financial stream for myself. I have now made the sacrifice based on our marriage contract. So now just because you're leaving the marriage or we have decided to end the marriage doesn't mean that I then should just fall on the sword and not be able to take care of myself. We made the decisions that put me in this position. So there is a time 
is that I need to be able to recoup my losses to get myself to a place where I can build a career or build some sort of financial stream in order to achieve the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to. So that might take me 20 years or it might take me the rest of my life. But oh my that God. is the cross that you have to bear because I was here supporting you making millions. That is what it is. I feel like the indefinite, t- and, and in this situation, obviously the terms are remarry, new domestic partnership, or either one of us dies. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, this just seems like such an indefinite period of time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I empathize with, what's her name, Nicole Young. Okay, you were a lawyer when you met Dr. Dre. He is now a mega millionaire. You have built this life together. You have raised the children. You have taken care of the home. And Lord only knows the endless and the countless things that are have that she has done and, and contributed to that relationship that you really cannot repay at mm-hmm. one point, right? Like, there are things that are beyond the repayment that you just will never be able to satisfy. That said, I'm just like, the indefinite period of time just feels like for the other person in this scenario dr dre like when is he able to move on and establish a new life for himself because you have to imagine that uh, he has to support himself nicole the children that they would have had in the marriage i also understand that he has kids outside of the marriage but then also like thinking about this new life that he wants to create you want to meet another woman you want to be able to take care of her or assist her or build a life like he this is not the last life that he's going to be building like he will be doing this again at some point in time and so now i'm supporting like this past marriage and then also this new situation mm-hmm. it is a heavy lift it is but that's the life that we sign up for when in a marriage we make certain decisions that have long-lasting like, that is what it is. I think the interesting part of this is where we often take this conversation and believe that because women, by and large, are the receivers of alimony, that it's like mm-hmm. a men versus women thing, right? Like, a lot of men sure. walk around feeling like, well, you know, marriage is not worth it for me because I'm always going to end up getting the short end of the stick yeah, yeah. when that marriage is over. But there are so many relationships where that is not the case at the end right like yeah. uh, I forget her name who ended up having to pay all this money Mary J. Blige Mary J. Blige yeah she was paying all of this money yep in alimony mm-hmm. um Wendy Williams paying all of this money and Kelly alimony. Clarkson is also going to be paying, Clarkson a, paying a good of money. chunk of change right yeah so like do we feel the same in those instances like do yeah. we say okay so this shouldn't be indefinite that's never the conversation like, we don't care when the women have to pay all this alimony. We get bothered when the men have to pay all of this money and alimony indefinitely. Why is that? I'm thinking about that. Why is that? I don't have an immediate answer just now. I'm like, my the thoughts are still rolling around in my head. And the very first thing that I want to say, which... I don't even know if it really is the answer, but it's the fucking patriarchy. It is. Like, that's like really my gut reaction. This is, and just like side note, tangentially, like we are never getting rid of the patriarchy. I don't think we're going to, like for certain, I don't think it's happening in our lifetime. 
the it stretches so far back it stretches almost like too far back so as like i'm reading about all of this like the dr dre divorce the kelly clarkson divorce you know jeff bezos like you know the the other one that is gonna be just colossal to imagine is bill gates and melinda gates like that is Mm -hmm. an entirely different undertaking i was like curious about like how this came to be and i came across this article where it was actually talking about the history of alimony um and it said that alimony is an institution with a long history it's only recently that it was thought of as something that could be applied to men the code of hammurabi named after the ruler who reigned in the 18th century bc read that a comment that a woman could be divorced by returning her dowry and many cultures since have adopted variations of this idea Women couldn't work or own property and often couldn't ask for a divorce themselves. So if a man wanted to leave, they had to be left with a way to support themselves. Thus was um, born the idea of alimony. And then in 1979, the idea of alimony shifted. Um, One man, while struggling to make um, alimony payments, challenged the idea and took it to court. And the court ruling it says here it was justice brennan ruled in or versus or saying that alimony was to be based on financial need and must not be gender neutral mm-hmm. and i thought to myself oh my goodness like again i would have never imagined that to be the origin story of alimony mm-hmm. i mean and it's great that this guy was able to bring it forward to the court and we were able to make the decision about it being not fear to align it with male versus female it's like if you're the breadwinner then this is just literally across the beer right um and when you ask me the question about like why do we think that in some arrangements there is more empathy than in some certain other arrangements i mean it must be connected to this it's always been this way we've been conditioned to think of one scenario as I, w- I don't want to say more fear, but we have been socialized to accept some aspect of men paying for the shits yeah. more than women paying for the shits. But here's the problem with that, right? Like, so we started the discussion talking about Dr. Dre paying X amount of dollars yeah. for an indefinite time. And the truth it, is that it has always been that way that men tend to pay alimony. Mm-hmm. The issue is that when women have to pay alimony, we actually don't care. So I actually think that it's an issue of, like, you know how we talk about the fact that women always get the short end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is all, there's this need for feminist movements in order to, to, to talk about the fact that we need to be empowered, we need to be thought of and considered. Yes. And the reality is that when women are in these situations, we don't care. Like, we don't care enough to look at these situations. We don't care enough to say, okay, so... This is as unfair as a Dr. Dre situation. We talk about it for five minutes, and then we say, oh, she got money, she's good, she got it. You know? Mm. It was probably her fault for marrying this man that ain't had no money anyway. Mm. We blame it on her. Why did she get a prenup if she was going to marry a regular guy anyway? Mm. These are the things that we put on the women, as opposed to saying, well, you know what? That is just as fucked up as Dr. Dre's situation, or this PJ basketball player guy. It's just as fucked up as that situation. Uh We go, nah, she got it. But why? And then the other question that I have is... I'm really thinking about this. Why are we using prenups? 
Like the thing exists for a reason. Why are we just not more vocal about the need for prenups in these situations? Well, it's a very touchy topic, right? Like for instance, in one of like just to go back to this Dr. Dre thing, I, like there was some sort of prenup, right? But then the prenup might have been destroyed. Like from what we're reading, it might have been destroyed. Um, it seems like it could have been that Dr. Dre actually destroyed it. Um, but then, <laughs> you know, if I write up the prenup and then, I don't know, you rip it up or you destroy it in some way, does it remove it from still being a valid document? Like, I don't know, like sometimes you want to put the prenup in place. I mean, I'm certain that many of us can understand logically the need for a prenup. But then when your emotions are involved and you're like, I love this person, I want to take care of this person, and the idea of like forever and partnership comes about, there is a level of discomfort that you have with asking your partner to sign this prenup. For sure. I mean, and the idea is if we are both going to be building this thing, should you not want to share the thing that we're building with me? I can see both sides. I can see how someone, you know, you want to protect your own interests because especially if I've already long established myself mm -hmm. and then I meet you way after and then you're coming in, should I really split down the line 50-50? What's mine is yours and what's yours is not mine? But that's what happens when you don't have a prenup. Your prenup yeah. doesn't have to say that you split it 50-50. Your right. prenup doesn't have to say that I take all of mine and you evolving the idea of um, relationships evolving that we have added as we should we have added more feelings and emotions to the idea and the institution of marriage but for what though I mean it's necessary it's I don't not know that it's necessary I think it gets in the way like love is cute and all and I'm always gonna be a fairy tale person and I you know I love Cinderella one of my favorite movies of course love the little mermaid I love the idea of the prince coming to save me I think it's yes. beautiful I love all of those Beautiful things. story. But the reality is that when you get into a marriage, there's a significant piece of that relationship mm -hmm. that is a contract. It, it is. is a business relationship. It sounds so dirty, though. It's I a business know. relationship. It is. But why are we getting married and signing this contract and doing all these things if we don't recognize it as a business? For all of that, let's just be in love and hang out for the rest of our lives. <laughs> let's just 
just do that. Let's just do that. If that's what we're trying to do, I'm cool with that too. But if we're going to get into a contract. Yeah. You just keep saying fucking contract. But is it not a contract? It is a contract. It is a contract. Oh, because I but like to talk about what is and what is not. So if I it mean, is a contract, then we talk about it as a contract. You're not going to have this business-only mindset when you get married, right? Like, this is just the devil's advocate position right now that you're taking. Listen, I am going to love my husband with everything that is in me. Well, you going to sign that contract? And well, we understand? absolutely going to sign a contract, and we're going to understand the parameters of that contract, and we abide by that contract. <laughs> there will be an exit to that contract and what happens when the contract is dissolved, because that is important. Like, why fuck up my life because I was too blinded by love? To make a contract that mm-hmm. is sturdy and strong to protect me and him for that matter. I get it. I mean, I really do. It's a tough conversation. It's one of those things where you really have to just understand the reality of what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of times, like when we have conversations with people who are not like very pro marriage. Like, people often argue the other side, like, what is the point of it? Mm -hmm. But it's like, it very much is a contractual relationship that has, like, these shit ton of benefits. Yes. And, like, one of, like, especially when I speak to straight couples, I'm like, don't you all think that there is a reason why the LGBTQ community has been fighting for the, and thank God it eventually happened, but it's like, marriage has some built-in, inherent, fundamental rights that, other types of partnerships just Just do not have have. it's like people are out people were not out here fighting for something that has no foothold exactly Exactly. it's like it just is what it is i mean when i speak to like other friends like candy and monique who are married and we talk about like the building of a life and the building of a marriage it's like when you look at the statistics you are building joining finances with someone Mm -hmm. it is easier to do that if you have someone else versus if it's just you it's like the idea that it takes two hands to come yes it's like literally and i'm just like god damn again we're never getting rid of the patriarchy no we're not like i i and literally like when I heard this last thing about Dr. Dre, this person, that person. And you think about, again, the origins of marriage, all of this. I'm like, there are just certain things that are bedded so deep in the fabric of society, period. Yeah. Whether it's American, West Indian, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. it There is no real way to separate the two things. For sure. I mean, I don't We could try that's... hard to, but it's like impossible. It is. But I don't think that we have to feel handcuffed by the patriarchy. I think that there are obviously things that we continue to find value in from the patriarchy, but I think there are things that are so nuanced nowadays that we can kind of make it our own. But the Uh reality is that there are benefits within the construct of marriage that we all want. Otherwise, to your point, nobody would be fighting for these benefits and rights if they did not want these things. but I think sometimes we sit around and act like they're not important. Like, mm-hmm. when it suits us. Mm-hmm. Like, when it suits us, like, it's like, oh, no, I don't need that marriage contract piece of it. 
I just want to be in love and have my husband or have my wife, whatever the case is, and mm -hmm. um, that's just what we're doing. But we're not going to talk about the fact that 60, 70% of marriages end in divorce, and I probably should protect myself because if there was a 70% chance that my house would burn down, I would absolutely have insurance <laughs> to protect myself from a fire, right? Aye, so aye. why would we not do the same thing in these marriage contracts? Like, it is absolutely beyond me. And I think it's ridiculous that celebrities, to that end, like, operate like that. Like, you have so much to lose. You have so much to lose. I mean, it just reminds us of the fact that it grounds us in the fact that celebrities are regular fucking people. I know, regular fucking dummies. <laughs> like, they're regular people. Yeah. I mean, the, they have the benefit of having access to advisors and advice and things that, you know, the regular Joe or Jane Schmo does not. Um, and, I mean... You know, love is great. Love is a beautiful thing. You want to be able to submit yourself to the understanding of it. Yeah. I can totally see that being a thing, but certainly if I had more to protect, then I would protect it. For sure. This is like, that's I just what like, it is. Like, you know, I would be on, like, some Beyonce shit. Like, I have a pocket full of NDAs. Like, you're not talking to me unless you're signing this NDA. Listen. We're not even talking about love unless we're signing a prenup. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, you I got billions and we just out here freeballing it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does leave you so open to all sorts of risk. I will say, like, just to plug in some positivity here. I really respected how the Bezoses like separated um, and really dealt with, from what I could see in the media at the end of their marriage, it's like, mm -hmm. you know what, Mackenzie, you helped me build Amazon, you were there in the garage from the get-go, boom, here is the money that you very much deserve, here you go, all of it. I mean, obviously, like, Jeff Bezos is in a different position where he is liquid enough to be able to give all of it up front. I even feel a little bit better about the idea of let me get this lump sum payment as opposed mm -hmm. to let me pay this until forever and ever I'm in. For sure. And I'm like, I mean, it's, you know, it's like potatoes, potatoes. And if you're not able to pay the lump sum, then you need to be able to have some other type of financial arrangement. But it's just like, oh my gosh. It's a mess. Yikes. It, it really could be quite challenging. Well, back to this guy, PJ Lagda. We don't even know his last name. But the, we don't the, the baby, the baby, we don't really <laughs> love it. Um, Brittany Renner's baby daddy. I yeah. actually never knew him. Yeah. I actually know her. Like yeah. from, you know, fitness stuff. I can't remember if I discovered her on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. You know, a very attractive young woman, et cetera, et cetera. And when I saw the story that he would have signed up to pay what was it like 200k 300k I don't for like know. 18 years I sincerely no I'm actually I've convinced myself that it has to be a fake story listen no it has to be it, it might be I don't know maybe it's a real story maybe he's just trying to be in the news because anybody know him but <laughs> here's what I will tell you I was talking to my cousins yesterday uh -huh. and what I came to find out was apparently this woman used to go to his games when he was 17. Yeah. 
to advance towards that other people don't like having that but condoms why wow. in 2021 are we still talking about condom usage I don't on know. both sides of it I you're not know. protecting yourself she's not protecting herself of course so, she's not protecting herself she's trying to have a baby with a ball player or you could catch something but i guess that's she like secondary that. sure people don't die from AIDS no more so yeah, like, I'm sure she can figure that out because apparently she's been around, whatever. Allegedly. But, but here's the thing. I think, and this is like the devil's advocate piece, right? What if he knows he's not going to get signed for more than a year because he's a mediocre player. Like, let's be real. He's a <laughs> mediocre player. He's probably not going to get signed again for next year. But guess what? He's just stuck with the insta hole. So this 200k that she thinks that she's gonna be getting, she ain't getting that because he ain't gonna get signed next year. What's she gonna do? Nothing. Back take to him to the court. You can take him to court, but he ain't got no money. If he don't have no money, how he pay his taxes for it? I no. She it, played herself. This story just got to be fake. It just has to be fake. There's just no way. It makes no kind of rational sense. I don't know. She put the wrong ball player. She picked the wrong one. But I think the other NBA players already know what she's about because she's been out here in these streets. Allegedly. Like, allegedly. <laughs> people know her. People right. have seen her. She has a reputation, whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more power to her for owning her sexuality and doing whatever the fuck she does and being open with it. Sure. But this PJ character, apparently he doesn't have Instagram because <laughs> everybody knows what like, this girl is about. It is so, um, it's amazing. It's, it's really like, what you don't know, you don't know. Like, yeah. like, as big as the world is, and as accessible as information is, it's amazing sometimes to sit back and, and look at what types of information comes to people's desk. Yes. It's like, you really gotta say to yourself, like, how could you not know? Yeah, that man know. When how know could you have not get signed? No inclination. So. Like, I'm good. I'm not getting signed again next year. This bitch ain't getting no money out of me. I'm good. That's crazy. I mean, and you know, like, when I think about this whole women's empowerment movement, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a truly independent woman, and I sincerely thought that that was really her, not that I'm saying that she was sincerely an independent woman, but I thought that her brand was actually her fitness thing. Like, and that was actually her platform. Like, here is it. I'm doing this, and this is how I'm going to build myself. Mm -hmm. So, like, this entire other slant of the story of, like, her, you know, being like, if you want to come up out of this check, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Where I'm going with this is, if we are continuously saying that we are independent-minded, we can do this, we can do that, we're capable, et cetera, et cetera, why does it also seem like there's simultaneously a elevation of women seeking men out for financial gain mm -hmm. seemingly right like nowadays you can find a plethora of like sugar baby daddy um accounts like i mean i see them on tiktok all the time where it's just like here's what you need to do to get money from x y and z blah blah, blah. I, I mean know. could it be enterprising sure yeah. Does it also speak to, maybe it speaks to pay inequality, right? Like that women oh are God. continuously mm -hmm. making less money than men anyway. So it's almost like you have to strategically siphon the money from these this dominant group of people yes. to actually be able to fill up your own cup. 
I, and I agree, but I actually think that's a whole nother episode because if we want to talk about sugar babies, we can talk about the folks that sell their pictures of their feet online. Absolutely. Or their Only fans. online. Like, there's so many other streams of income when it comes to how women have decided to empower themselves. Yes. Because really, being a basketball hoe is a whole career. <laughs> <laughs> Enterprising as fuck. Yeah, I think that's a whole nother episode. I support, though. I would love to sell my feet online. I think my feet are cute. I get my toes done every two weeks. You can do it. You know? I can totally do it. Literally. Yeah. So you gonna set that up? I'm, I might be setting that up. I don't know, I though. mean, you're a pussy. You've been talking about... You've been telling other people about setting this up for the longest. You're not serious. I know. I think I need a photographer. I think it's the lighting. Oh my god. And there we have the end of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Because there's nothing I, I could say after that. You think you need a photographer? I think, yeah. you, I think you're probably going to need to grow some balls if that's what you're going to be doing. I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to see what it looks like. Oh Let's my see. god. I cannot. I can't. This could be cute, though. I think someone would buy this. What do they go for? Like $1,000? <laughs> Listen, you might need to like drizzle some like chocolate or syrup or something on your toes to make it more appetizing. I don't think it needs that special. It needs to be that special. I've heard that people have fungus in their toes and people still Stop find that Stop it. Yeah, all this effort we do to like have pedicures and paint You always nails. say like men, men don't care about that shit. Men don't give a shit about that shit. Some men do. They just care so, that you have feet and they like them. That's it. That's it. Okay, so oh, this is a cute photo. Look at that. That could be a thing. Could be a thing. I'm about to sell these today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, definitely a whole other episode is needed for that, and we're gonna stop right there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Two Girls and a Few. We'll cars. see you next time. Bye.